Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. We got together with our business partners. There was a barbecue in their backyard and and we were comparing notes and we said, we can do this and we can do this the right way. The four of us became a partnership and that's how Rooted It was born. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. And here we are. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show, where we continue our mission of crushing cannabis stigma. All right, I got to get myself a vape pen so I can be like Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, the the audio listeners don't know that I just have a vape stick that I, for dramatic purposes, when the announcer person says, roll yourself a joint. I don't know. The smoke looks cool going into the camera. I do. Like, well, we're on the view, Dave. We'll have it we'll all set up because I have yeah. the vision. Me, you, Whoopi, we'll be talking about cannabis someday. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's see. Let's start. Hemp guitar giveaway. It's in full swing. It is out there, people. I have always said I wanted to be maybe the Terry Gross of cannabis or maybe the Cannabis Show is the fresh air of cannabis. So we're doing it like NPR. So. We know that you're out there, that you are supporting our mission of crushing cannabis stigma. And if you want to continue supporting our mission, please go to Lampkin Guitars. You can have your name entered to win a one-of-a-kind hemp guitar that not only can you take a, what did you say, play a lick and take a hit? <laughs> I didn't say that, but that sounds good. <laughs> I think you did last week. We'll check. We have a record. Oh, I and, said something like that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. But I improved um, it, I guess. <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to play the, the Josh video? Oh, sure. That'd be great. So, sure. YouTubers, you can watch us doing this. 
Right. And otherwise, mm-hmm. Will, we'll just kind of narrate He's cute. Here. He looks good. You don't want to see him. Not, not, not just because I'm his mother. Yeah, the headline <laughs> says, have you ever seen a guitar do this? I got to do is a little. Lighting the bowl. And smoking out of the bowl. Yeah. Go check out the Cannamom show. And stay tuned for how you can possibly win this guitar added to your collection. Super unique, super cool. Built by me, Lampton Guitars. And uh, yeah, go check it out. Pretty cool. <laughs> he did another video playing it. So that little thing, that little reel has had like over half a million views at this point. So That's amazing. People think it's interesting. And, and hey, there's a plug for you. So I do talk to women a lot, but I think Temp Guitar thing is a dude. I think a lot of men would be interested in it. So I'm going to reach out to more music. And men podcast. And Dave, do you know anybody with something like that? No, I do not. I don't. <laughs> and I know some guitar dudes and they collect guitars, but nothing like that. It's really, I can't describe it really, but it's striking looking. Put it that way. How do you describe the pattern on the guitar, Joyce? I don't even well, know. So it's a, it's a basically, it is made out of hemp wood. It's basically compressed wood. So hemp is a plant. We all know that. We've learned this on the show. And somehow they create some kind of composite, and it's a very, it's a very heavy. I will give it that. It's a big, heavy piece of wood, and it just it looks, I don't know, like this, like, like paper. Like if you make paper, and like real old fashioned, like strips, it just kind of looks like right. that. Cause yeah. There's no finish on it. It's just a gloss, and um, it's got some really good pickups. You told me, and there's an inlay of a cannabis leaf on the top. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's it's it would be an amazing piece for anybody's collection, and so, uh, useful. And useful. You can smoke it and play it. So, all right, moving on from Josh. Always comes back to him. So I have some sad news. I don't know if you follow my Instagram feed reel. Um, My cat Bandit, he's often the star of my Instagram reels. He passed this weekend, so it was very sad. I know. So thinking of Bandit. Oh, rest in peace, Bandit. Same same name as the Catwoman's, not Catwoman, the cat cat lady's cat on the TV show The Office. Her cat was Bandit. Her cat was named Bandit. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good boy. I, the last video I did with him is Elevate Jane. This is true. Maybe they should start carrying this at the dispensary we're talking to today. Elevate Jane had this catnip toy that looked like a joint. Mm-hmm. So I got it for him. <laughs> and we did a nice little reel of him smoking his joint. He looks really happy. <laughs> that's great. Love it. All right. So that's for poor Bandit. And I don't really have a culture corner today. Although, Dave, do you listen to audiobooks? Yeah, I do. I, do. I really don't, which is strange. But today I decided I was going to try, and I was listening to Boston Public Radio had this interesting, I don't know, they called it The Great Unchurching. It's by evangelicals who've actually been taking research and seeing that people are leaving the church in droves, which as a Jewish person I think is interesting because we're always afraid that our people are leaving, but they stay for yeah. some reason. We still hear. Mm-hmm. But it's talking about really what's happening in the, the evangelical world. And I mean, I think of it as they're choosing the sword over the cross. That's what it seems like. And I don't know yeah. why they're doing that. And he was trying to explain it. So I don't know it's called the great uncharging. It's not something I normally read or listen. So I'd listen to it. So I'm starting to listen to it. I'm not really a listener and I like podcasts and I listen to radio. So I'm going to try this more. That is interesting. And it, it's always, you kind of wonder why such things happen or people waking up to some of the, to be delicate imperfections in organized religion. I don't, I mean, who knows I've been watching a, a documentary and I'll I'll quickly find it, but it's called Savior Complex, and it's on HBO Max, and it's about this woman who became a missionary in Uganda and set up this medical facility to help kids that were malnourished. Of course, it's a huge problem there. She did it um, as because God told her to do it, and she keeps talking about God. And so then the then she but she, the problem is she starts like treating certain kids. 
and she doesn't have a medical degree of any kind. And so, and it's all like, well, are you just injecting that kid with something because God told you? And so, but then it's a lot more complex than that because she does a lot of good as well, but it's always a, a tricky thing when religion involved. I, I think that is true. And I do think the way he was, and I think about this a lot, it's we're America, we're very individualized. That's how we like, we believe in the self. And I'm a person of faith. I talk about this a lot and cannabis as well. This idea of opening yourself up and being more infinite, like the giving of yourself, like as a religious person, I believe that it just like it's a mom. If you, yeah, right. you, when you right. give, you feel better. Like it's more engaging. Like you actually gain happiness by giving. And that's part of a lot of religious faith. But I feel like there's something going on with the evangelicals choosing Trump and deciding that this is where they're, he's their savior because they're very afraid. I just yeah. I find this kind of interesting. Anyways, I'm glad to see evangelicals who are in this world are talking about it and thinking about it because I have no control over that. <laughs> yeah. I can't change any of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Bl I mean, blind faith is a dangerous thing. And and we won't get into the whole thing, but yes, it is disturbing how some people follow that person, no matter what he says, <laughs> whether it be true or not, they follow him. Lordy Lord. All right. So there's my audio book. If you're listening, interested, I don't know, it's a kind of a strange topic. I don't know, if, but it's, it's the great unchurching, just what is happening and why people are leaving and how I do believe people need faith. I think people, the religion exists for a reason. It gives us boundaries and understanding. And honestly, I think it's all the same. I just happened to be given Judaism. This was given to me. It's mine. It's good. It works. So, yeah. you know, find yours. That works for you. Yeah. And much as I may <laughs> have expressed some cynicism towards organized religion, I agree with you. I think faith is a great thing. And it's like the, the sometimes the why you believe it and why you're doing these things almost doesn't matter, but it, it's, it gives you power. And giving and giving, it does. You're absolutely right. You do something for someone else. You feel good for the rest of the day. It's like selfish. If you really want to be really selfish, do something for another person. You'll feel good. It's like, it's all kind of, yeah. I had a friend in law, <laughs> in law school who loved to argue in our study groups, and his big theory was there's no such thing as an unselfish act because when you're doing it to make yourself feel better about yourself. Nevertheless, even if it's not unselfish, it doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean, because it doesn't mean that two people don't benefit instead of just one. So Adding value, people. Add value. Right. All right. Thanks, Dave. Look at us. Go church, yeah. cannabis, musical theater. Okay. And don't forget the hemp guitar. Right. Thanks you again, Dave. All right. Eat, now we're going eat, on. Eat your, eat your heart out, the view. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be there someday, Dave. Me and you. <laughs> me and you and Whoopi. All right. So today, before we get too big for ourselves, we're going to introduce today's guest. All right. Today's guest. She is the co-founder of Rooted In, a beautiful boutique dispensary located right here on historic Newbury Street in Boston, Massachusetts. Along with her co-founders, today's guest desires to create an inclusive boutique cannabis experience at an establishment that provides a safe space for the canna-curious, is a sensational destination for all those who enjoy cannabis, and of course, provides patrons with knowledgeable staff. Today's guest is currently focused on strategic objectives for Rooted In, which include launching delivery and creating a customer experience area for special events. Today's guest is an advocate for equity as it relates to Black maternal health, and she prides herself in giving back to her community and hopes to leave the world better than she found it. See, she's just like us. Before launching her Canna Entrepreneurship, today's guest worked in hospital finance and at an investment firm here today to talk about her Canna journey, her work supporting her community, and how it feels to be a Canna mom. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Joanne Keith, co-founder of Rooted In. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce and David. 
Well, come on in. So let's just start in the beginning as like you are, as we say here in Boston, wicked smart. You are a graduate of one of our esteemed institutions and you had a career in finance. So let's just start. What was your relationship with cannabis before you sort of jumped into your entrepreneurship journey? Wow. I was kind of on a sabbatical from cannabis before I came back into the world of cannabis. And that was a function of leaving college. So when you were younger, were you a cannabis user? Did you think it was dangerous? Did you think it was good? Did you think nothing out of it? It was just part of what was it in your life? I thought nothing of it. People did it around me and I was like, that's good for you. But I wasn't really like I didn't need a joint to like function throughout the day. But I did see like the benefits of it, like helping folks relax and be a little bit more open when they were dealing with other folks socially. So I think it's good for introverts. It's good for, we know it has a lot of medicinal, we know that it helps, right? It helps more than hurt. And I think I that, we, and that is what we talk about all the time. But so when you were younger, just sort of this thing, you went to college, you and then you were, this is kind of my story. Then I was a grown up and you don't use cannabis because, yeah, so that's yeah. what it is. So that's where you are. Okay. Exactly. You're applying for jobs. Drug testing was very, was something that like literally, every job you were applying to like had on the list. And so that and becoming a mom, like I took some time off. Well, yeah. So there was a period about, I think, 12 years where like I was kind of free. And then when we started talking about uh, opening up a shop, I was like, well, let me see what, how the world has changed. And it had changed a lot. Oh, so that's it. Okay. So you, so often the stories I'm sharing are women who have, they come into this entrepreneurship because they've been healed. Someone they love has been healed. They've had some kind of, I call it being evangelical. They've been evangelized basically by the cannabis plant. But you were more coming up from a business perspective. You were saying this is interesting, which is kind of what I thought when I started. This is interesting new area of business. It's a new area of law. What could I do? How could I add value? What, what, what is this thing really? Okay. So when did you start actually considering that maybe this is something you wanted to use your skill set in? Yeah. So 2017, 2018, we were. My husband and I were talking about like what we wanted to do as far as next steps for the both of us. And we had been, we'd actually run a campaign for city council. So he okay. wanted me to run and I was like, I don't think I'm quite cut out for it. And he came downstairs and had a list of like, he had his platform in a notebook and I said, all right, you do it. And I think that that raise really kind of positioned us in a way where we were all of a sudden being like reached out to like MSOs were saying, hey, cannabis is legal in Massachusetts. Like you guys should think about this. And we did think about this. We actually looked at a contract from a large MSO and it just, it was not attractive. It was, you be the front of the house, we'll be the back of the house. You get X percent, we get Y percent. And it just didn't really make sense for two people who had been working really hard and kind of like knew the ins and outs of like the business that, world. So, okay, so again, this is very state specific. We do have social equity programs. MSOs are multi-state operators. So it's basically just they have more money than anyone else. This is a really hard industry to finance and yeah. they want to get into it from a business perspective. And I think that's interesting with the political part. So, yeah. so I ran for a political office here in Cambridge. So I know what it actually means. So you have to literally walk around and talk to people so people know who you are and you're considered a leader. So yeah. you're coming in with this message of cannabis in a community that probably is, I don't know, a little concerned, I'm quite sure, but they see you and your husband. So that's an interesting way to get in. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think from there, we just, we got together with our business partners. There was a barbecue in their backyard and 
we were talking, they had also been approached and we were like comparing notes and we said, we can do this and we can do this the right way. And so the four of us became a partnership and that's how Rooted It was born. Okay, perfect. So right into my next question. Tell me about your co-owners. How do you know them? <laughs> we know them from the neighborhood. So we are based in Roxbury and Dorchester. And actually, I think as redlining happens, the streets fall into other neighborhoods. So like their street actually was in Roxbury at one point, but now it's in Dorchester. And they run the Dudley Cafe, which is in Nubian Square, which is like maybe four blocks, five blocks from where we are, where my husband and I reside. And so we knew them from just being active in our community. And were you, are you Roxbury natives? Is this someplace you moved into? or? So we're Boston natives. I was Boston. born in Dorchester, but lived in Rosendale for most of my life. And he was born in Dorchester and lived in Dorchester for most of his life. And we kind of settled on Roxbury. We were looking for a home. And this was a community that I think people didn't seem to like want to... I don't think people saw the value in Roxbury at the point when we were looking. And I think people oh, yeah. see it. Oh, well, yeah. What did you do buy into Roxbury? Oh, gosh. We bought our home in 2013. And so, oh. like, we've been there for now 11 years. This will be the 11th. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So, anyone who is from Massachusetts, so anyone in yeah. redlining is mean that literally government policies that said certain people of certain races could live in certain areas. That's literally what it is. Yeah. Roxbury and Dorchester were the Boston areas and we're often de-invested in. I mean, when they talk about what happens and they're like, you isolate people in neighborhood and you take all the money out, what do you think is going to happen? So anyways, you're one of the people who came back in and said, this is a Boston, like it's on the edge of a great, whatever. So you reinvested, you yeah. went back there and you actually made a, a family and a community there. Okay. So yeah. you're really, you're, you're blending it up. Okay. So that's yeah. a little plug for Roxbury and Dorchester. <laughs> I'll say this before we move on to the next question. Both my husband and I went to high school in Roxbury. So I went to Latin Academy. He went to John D. O'Brien. And so okay. we spent a lot of time, even though we didn't like live in Roxbury, we spent a lot of time in Roxbury just in our formative years. Like I was there seventh through 12th grade and he was there nine through 12. So, yeah. So really, again, so which is why the MSOs approached you because you really did live in these neighborhoods that were impacted. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. So, all right. So what did you... I don't even know where to begin. So you're talking to your friends in this neighborhood, but this is a community that really has been devastated by the war on drugs. That's not an exaggeration. So I often talk about this with elderly people older in churches, that this could be so useful for your elders, for people who are having pains and aches, but they've been so traumatized by this idea of the war on drugs. So were you coming up against that when you were talking about using cannabis or becoming a business entrepreneur in this community with the people who knew you for your whole life, really? Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, I think we ran into some of that. I think of what a lot of folks don't realize is that cannabis was on the ballot. And so people voted in Massachusetts to have That's true. And in Roxbury and Dorchester, like the numbers were overwhelming. And so I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, I think that, but I think that's a function of like the decimation that took place prior to marijuana being legal, to cannabis being legal. And so I think like it made sense for our community because I think people realized that like, if this continues to be illegal and people are out there like selling or doing whatever with that, it could be problematic. And so I think this was one way to kind of like lessen a problem. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That's, I've gotten to like two questions. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so you decide that you want to get into the cannabis industry. You're talking to your friend. You realize you're in the finance world. So you understand this is really hard financially. You're mm -hmm. starting to, are you, who's doing all the policy work or who's going through the, it's all compliance. Like who's doing the compliance stuff in your team? Yeah, so we have this wonderful woman, um, Andrea Dolan, and she's actually back in New Jersey now. But she, and I have to say, 
she kind of came to us after we we took her from a campaign and so we were we worked on a couple campaigns actually because my husband and I were we each backed a different candidate like in the Mariola race and so tricky tricky yeah it is tricky but you know I mean we still love each other but you know (laughs) see you can get past politics my dad was a Republican my mother was a Democrat back in the day he supported Nixon I had little signs that said, I worked for McGovern in 1970s. This is how old I am. My mother made me walk around the neighborhood. I was like seven and put signs up for McGovern. And no one knows who McGovern is. So, so I mean, lucky for us, we just had, we had a few like fantastic women running for mayor of the city of Boston. And, and so- I love all the women. And I, I do a lot with Emerge Massachusetts, the women who are being built up and having their old girls network. So that makes me so proud. All right. Yeah. I know a few graduates of that program. Very good. But yeah, so we, so my husband was like, he was the person who was doing policy. He was doing outreach. We all did it together, but like, he was the person who was up at night, like really like, how does this work and how do we like balance? Like, and how do we get from this point to that point? But Andrea came in and she was phenomenal and she was the person who was checking his work because we definitely needed, we needed some, I mean, it's a lot. It's not an easy business. And if you miss a step, then you can go back to the beginning. And we didn't want to miss, make missteps. Yeah. All right. So Rooted Inn is on Newberry Street, which if anyone hasn't been to Boston is, you know, like, I don't know. We're not very fashionable, but I would say Newberry Street is our fashion center. Like a Fidetsu or like a Rodeo. It's like a street that everybody kind of like knows is the destination. Yeah. So it's yeah. that, 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 it's that street and it's, it's there. So that is an interesting spot to be. I visited early on. A lot of the dispensaries were putting in towns had to be like, I say behind a rock over a bridge. So no one can see it. God forbid the children should find it. Yes. And you were in Boston pretty early. So uh, you had this idea. I know there's a lot of in between like having the idea and actually finding the spot. So how did you actually find the spot and how did you convince the person there that this is a place for a dispensary? And was there any neighborhood pushback? Cause again, the way we describe it, people have a vision of what a dispensary is going to be. Absolutely. So, I mean, we got to this store through trial and error. So we wanted originally to be in Roxbury, like that was our goal. And we actually had a license or we still actually technically have a license in Roxbury, but no store there. Um, Because we, again, were coming up against neighbors who, while they were happy to have cannabis, weren't necessarily happy to have it like so close to where they live. Um, and then we tried for a location in downtown crossing and like, we, again, we worked with the community and that's something that we really have prided ourselves on working with the community. Like, we're from Boston. We really live here. Like, I mean, the location that was in downtown crossing, my child's dentist was around the corner. So like, it wasn't like I'd never seen the street before, never. So when we got, but I, I do think that's interesting because a lot of the, many of the dispensaries are going into smaller towns or. Places are going to willing to accept them. I mean, Boston is a little different. Cambridge is a little different, obviously. But they yeah. do talk about the personal connections and that they're going into these communities. If they don't want them, they're not going to fight them. But if yeah. they do are welcome Canada's business, they try to be really good neighbors and they try to be people who are, you know, just not fly by night. Again, because this is all interest. There's no interstate commerce. So this is all in-state people. They know where you are. They can find oh, they, you. They, they absolutely know <laughs> And so when we got here, this was, we worked with Dot Joyce and she like kind of was like a publicist for a while and she helped us do strategy. And so she said, there's a spot. This was originally earmarked for medical marijuana. And like they, 
didn't want to like continue like the build out. And so we kind of took it over. And so the community was 100% welcoming. They have been lovely. They've supported us in like all of like the different steps that we've needed to take. And if we've needed to make any adjustments, they've been phenomenal. Jay Livingstone lives around the corner from us. And he's like, I think he's the state rep for this area. Holly, correct me if I'm wrong. And he, I mean, again, like if they want you, they will welcome you. And I, we felt very welcomed. They know that we're like from Roxbury. We're like, we used to ride our bike up here. <laughs> so we're a 14 minute bike ride up the street to Newberry Street. And we're here often, like you can often find one of us. Myself. So, so that's, that's an interesting story that it wasn't actually, a, it wasn't an idea that this could happen. It was almost by default. Uh, that's a almost yeah. yeah and but i mean it's we, not a bad default i mean of no. all the... <laughs> not a bad default i mean we still had to like talk to the neighbors and like you know make them feel like they could come to us and we still you know want them to come to us if they have any issues but it was definitely something where it fell into our laps but like not not because we weren't working we were out there working hard we tried here we tried there and then this was like why don't we try here and we kind of were like really but I think it felt right. It felt right to me, like when I came to look at this location. Um, it used to be a Tom McCann's. I don't know if you remember that. I know. Oh, yeah, so describe what it's like. I, that's funny. And again, yeah. you can't have any windows looking into the dispensary in Massachusetts. So you have to be a little bit creative. And the space isn't huge. So you've been mm -hmm. very creative in how you use it and what's there. Yeah, so to kind yeah. of describe what it is. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And so kind of like to your point earlier, with regard to like, you have to hide your cannabis shop windows have to be like frosted and so what we did was we actually used a space in the front of our store like a vestibule and so you can actually see into the vestibule and we wanted that to be the case because on Newberry Street nothing is blocked off right everything is warm it's inviting like this street is designed to make you want to go shopping and like just get involved in like window shop and come inside yeah. and so, so what we did was we created this lovely like vestibule it has our little logo which is Sankofa like in like this fern material and it's it's really inviting so you can't see the store the floor the sales floor you're not allowed to do that in Massachusetts so that's how we kind of got around that and made our space welcoming and inviting and like I mean it it was yeah so so just, I, know, I guess describe about you describe the logo and just explain why you chose that logo for you yeah. maybe just maybe decide why you actually chose that word for your for, yeah. your, for your dispenser yeah so our logo is a Sankofa, and a Sankofa is a bird uh, that comes from Ghana. It's like a hieroglyph. And the Sankofa is the Sankofa is a bird whose neck is craned, kind of looking at its back, and its feet are facing forward. And the idea is that you need to remember your past in order to like move ahead. And so for us, the past is the war on drugs. The folks are still incarcerated because of like minimal amounts of like cannabis meanwhile outside in the real world people are making money hand over fist or at least at one point they were on um, this industry and so we always want to be cognizant of like the people who came before us who weren't and who still aren't like being treated fairly in regards to the that, that's good I, I didn't actually know that yeah oh, that's good that's very hopeful yeah. all right i'm going to shift gears you want to make your, the world a better place. We all do. I know you're involved with maternal health issues. I do talk a lot about moms and cannabis. I'd love to talk about mm -hmm. a little bit more like with you later, but you're talking about maternal health. This is a big issue. I, one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately are the fact that women who are using cannabis for whatever issues when they're pregnant, if 
even if they're using it with a medical professional, their baby's meconium is still being tested for the THC because it's a policy of the hospital and they're still involving children's services, which just makes me really mad. So I feel like this is something I want to work on and stop. So I don't know if you've like what you're seeing in this world. And the other idea is that I did not use cannabis when my children were little. I thought it was dangerous and no one could tell me whether it wasn't or wasn't because of no studies. And of course, we're not going to study pregnant women. But if we allow women to use who are using cannabis to like give results to hospitals, if they can be open with their medical professionals, we can gather data. And then women can be healthier and use it because not everyone has access. I think this is what America forgets. Not everyone has access to medical care, really. We've always used plant medicine. Cannabis has always been one of those plant medicines that has been used. And it could help women who are really, it's hard to be a woman. And a mom. So I don't know. I don't know what you're doing with your with your issues. If there's something you come up with, if it's sort of separate from your cannabis work. But what are you doing in that world? So it is separate from my cannabis work. So I have an eight-year-old. He came six weeks early. and. And ultimately, I, I, I do believe that, like, the reasons he came early are, I mean, they were related to my health and, like, nothing to do with, like, cannabis. I think that reproductive health and women's health should be between a woman and her doctor, to be quite frank. That's how I feel. And so I, I don't have a position one way or the other. I know for me, like, I would not partake in cannabis while pregnant or, like, while I nursed. I never, I never did. But again, I mean, we have people who are like clinically depressed. We have people who like are, have chronic pain. And if cannabis is what helps them like be able to hold their baby, be able to like function and like treat their children well and treat themselves well. I mean, who are we to say like, mm-hmm. no, you can't do that. It's wrong. So that, I mean, that's my position. But the work that I'm, I'm doing is around just making sure that like the care that people receive is equitable and that whether you live in Cambridge or Roxbury that like whatever the outcomes are, they should be the same. And so like those are the goals of like the work that I'm involved with. It's it's a big topic. I again I love fresh air, Terry Gross. I really yeah. I'm gonna be the Terry Gross of cannabis. But there it was a doctor yeah. from Harvard, a black woman who's been a doctor, her mother was a doctor and she's now she's coming out talking about the structural issues in our culture that create people with Doctor skin are having worse incomes. It's it's yeah. it's based. It's all the way back to our medical books. She's going back and like, and she's a doctor and she has seen it and she's been in it and she's been a patient and it was just such an interesting perspective. And again, if we don't talk about it and accept that it exists, we can never unravel it. So this is what I kind of find it kind of hopeful. Like this woman, her own mother was a doctor and died very very young, yeah. and and the mother couldn't. There's a lot of issues. A lot. There's stress. There's our environment. There's food. There's all the things I'm sure you're seeing all the time with maternal health that, you know, it's a big package and we have to talk about a lot of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're there doing it. That's a good extra curricula. <laughs> I mean, I, you just, you, it's like I said, I want to leave the world better than I found it. And I think that the, I, you know, I had my son at Beth Israel and let the team there was phenomenal. And I think like I would not be involved if they hadn't said, we're doing this work. Like, what are your thoughts? And so, I mean, I just got pulled in and I'm, I'm happy to be here and work with them. So you're doing it all. All right. Let's talk about being a mom. So how old is your child? He's eight. He's eight. Okay. And again, I talked to a lot of moms. A lot of the moms start, they're just cannabis users. Their kids just know what it is. It's nothing. Some people are just like me. They had a cannabis awakening. I told my kids everything I knew was wrong about pot. They were psyched. We've got older than when you have this awakening. They were teenagers. So yeah, that's how they remember it. They're like, everything I know about pot is wrong. And they were like, Ah, that's great. 
but there's a lot in between that. So I know you're in the industry. I don't know how, how you're using it for your own health and wellness. We can talk about that later. But what's the conversations like? And do other moms know you're a Canada mom? And how's that working out at school functions? Yeah. So, I mean, gosh. Okay. So where do yeah. I start? So my son knows about our store and he knows about that we sell something that you have to use. You can only use if you're 21, right? Okay. So that's kind of like, so he also knows that if someone, if we're out at a party, sometimes an adult treat can get poured. So like, I think this is an adult man. Like, so that's, that's where it is. And when we were doing our build out, like when this building was still under construction, he used to come here and like, he would like find a box, sit in it, play in it. And like, now we just like walk by and he like looks and he's like, okay, like he's counting down. He's like only like 13 more years. And so, so that's Actually, that. I've got to ask this later, but let's talk about this a little bit. So you're a woman. Your yes. mother is your partner. Is the co-owner she a mom as well? She is, yes. All right. So this is a huge issue in cannabis. So women business owners cannot bring their children to work. Exactly. Yeah. They sometimes need to be with us. Sometimes they don't have any place to go. So I've heard different business owners doing different things. How are you handling this? Is this anything you're working on politically? Since you're connected that way, like what's going to happen? Well, so we actually have not thought about working on this politically, but you know, it's been interesting. So. We, again, we live in Boston. We do a lot of things on Newberry Street. Like we love, we love burgers. I forget what the one is that we always go to. But he, I feel like we'll come from school, we'll park in the back, and then we'll walk around like the stairs to the front of the store. And if he has to use a bathroom, we have to use Starbucks. We have to go to Starbucks or like go to one of the restaurants. If, and so like that's how we've handled it. Like he literally like has to go into an establishment that is, kid friendly and like that's it the other but you're but you're in an urban area if you're like a store in the middle of nowhere that's really ridiculous i don't know there's gonna be i've i've met a couple of men who've actually rented another office like in addition to all the other expenses you have she had to rent another office space yeah we have another office space like Mm -hmm. the long store partners that like he can go to and so we have meetings there like but i mean again like that's a luxury we have but not everybody has right and so like that that can be tough it, it's just um, one more thing about being a woman in this industry yeah yeah <laughs> and then um, to right, the so, mom, yeah well no i yeah the moms in school questions. how do they feel so yes i think a lot of people know at school and there are a lot of people who don't know and i think it's been interesting like how word of mouth like works um so one mom in particular she was when we were doing our build out i kind of came off of a meeting and like hopped onto a school meeting and she was like you look so happy like what's going on and I was like we just had a meeting it was successful and she's like what was the meeting for and I was like I was like oh it's it's about cannabis and she was like oh talk to me and she this was a woman she has a business that helps people with like end of life and so oh yeah was part of that process and she was she's phenomenal she helped us find our architect so this was like really early on our kids were they were in beginners so like a pre-k program and so I talked to her and then she really she helped us find our architect and she helped us find the person who kind of like helped us with our logo and like finalizing what it looked like. And so, I mean, yeah, they've been helpful. They That's a been, very that's a very yeah. like open cannabis <laughs> story about like putting it out yeah. there and just like yeah. seeing what happens next. That's and I mean, end of life issue, that's huge. So huge. are you doing again, we're Boston. I don't know. I didn't know everyone was on the pot. I kinda of joke about this that that were Puritans, but this yeah. is really for seniors. This is a big deal now. Like how mm-hmm. are you doing any connecting with people to help them feel more comfortable, get less pain, just to use this plant medicine in a different way? Is that anything that's on your agenda? 
I mean, it's not on our agenda, but I definitely think that it should be. I think what mm-hmm. personally, like my husband has, his grandmother is 97 or 98 now. And I love her. She's, she's from Jamaica. She has like eight kids. She's just a phenomenal woman. She has like chronic knee pain. And she was using, I kid you not, WD-40. She was rubbing her knee with WD, I mean, yes. And my husband was like, here, grandma, like use this. And so she's using like, she's using an ointment now. She's using, using a rub that has like THC in it. Um, and, and she and says. She, and she smells she better feels, too, I bet. She feels better. She feels no, better. smell, she smells better. Lovely lady. Um, and so, I mean, yes, it's something that like, we know that it helps. Yeah. Another person I know hurt her knee and she, we said, hey, this is the ointment that we've told Brian's grandma to use. You should use this as well. And so she used it and she went on a hike and she's like, I don't know if it's placebo. I don't know if it's in my head, but it seemed to really help. So. Oh, I, yeah. All right. And so then, you're, I, 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 I'm comfortable. I got so many oh, questions left. Okay. Let's yeah. keep going. All right. Let's see. Let's just talk about you. All right. So you seem more like me. You're probably a bit type A. You were driven. You did everything you need to do and thought cannabis is going to kill brain cells and destroy you. I don't know what you thought it was, but now I'm sure it's incorporated in my your life somehow. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, now it's incorporated in your life. How do you, how do you use it? Do you feel it? In, I mean, again, I wish I used it when my kids were younger. I think I would have been nicer and would have um, enjoyed being a parent more, honestly. Yes. Yeah, I would have been more focused. So how do you use it and how do you find it impacts yeah. your life now? So it depends. I think I like it when I feel like particularly stressed because it helps me like relax a little bit. And it does, I think, really lend itself to being like a better, more calmer parent because like you take a few minutes for yourself, like maybe like I like microdose. So sometimes maybe like I'll take a of something here, like a little bite of something there and like feel better and then I can right. just like really like say oh okay my child is being a child like is this like developmentally appropriate just or is this like something that like I should absolutely like yell or like have a talking to like talk yeah. with him about so that's how I use it I like quite quieter things around him so I yeah. think I don't know if your audience knows loud is kind of like it smells like when you when in relation to like cannabis so like if you smoke something then it's kind of loud because i've never know. heard that word okay yeah, yeah. so okay. but fighter things so things that i can like eat and that he doesn't know that i'm on something right, right. i think again like where he's eight years old like i don't want him to be like my mom smells funny like half the day like that's not the case but I, you know I do, I do i do have a funny story that a woman who yeah. came on and they were in the basement they didn't think the kids could smell it and then one day her seven-year-old said mom our house always smells like skunk Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's always the smell that gives you away, people. But I don't know. I also have like this reaction to this now that I think of cannabis almost like a supplement. Mm-hmm. So your kids don't know if you've taken an aspirin. They don't know if you've just taken anything else. So it's yeah. not. I, I think we still have this weird thing in our head, the whole shame that it's mm-hmm. doing something to us. Where I'm really trying to flip it and be like, I am more. I don't know, less judgmental. I feel like I'm like more grounded. I'm able to take space and time that I wouldn't because my. I don't know. It's like a. Your brain is like in a dark hole in there. It doesn't know what's going on. You're, yeah. like, you're feeding it information. So if you're always overreacting, that's what it's always going to do as a parent. And if you are able to calm down and not overreact, your brain is going to help you do that. That's that's my theory. So Yeah. It helps me parent. be a juggler parent for sure. Yeah. 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 Be there. All right. 2024, you're already in it. And are you doing anything at NECAN, which is a big Boston event in Highland Auditorium near you? Yeah. How are you connected yeah. to that? Yeah. So we have for the past two years gone and also we've been kind of like a touchdown site for a lot of the vendors whose brands we sell in our store so oh. they tell folks like if you're interested in like getting because at the Heinz convention center you cannot have like 
actual like live product. So mm-hmm. if we do like cards sometimes, like folks can come to our store with a card that they got at Nikan and like buy the product at a discounted rate. And that's like just that's basically because we've like come to a business. That's a good range, but- yeah thing yeah. with the other vendors. So are there yeah. any? So are you the you're the closest dispensary to the Hind, right? We are definitely the closest. And and the other thing I know you're doing, I didn't get to go to one. There are street fairs, right? Yeah, on Newberry so, Street. So how does that? And one of those, and what are those like? They sound fun. They are amazing. And so I think that was also a point in time where my child, like right before the store opened, the city of Boston does like the street. What's the word I'm looking for? Block parties. Activations. No. So they actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what they do is they allow vendors, whether they're on Newberry Street or like on Blue Lab or on Dorchester Ave, to come outside of the store and like really like attract customers that way. They block off the street. So it becomes like a pedestrian zone. And like Newberry Street is closed from the, I think that's Boylston on this side to Mass Ave. And we invite various vendors to come through and like, give out stickers, talk to customers about their products. We've had ice cream vendors. We've had like holistic, like body creams and body scrubs. We've, we've been the gamut and uh, we've had lounge setups. We've had, I don't know, we've had a bunch of things, but it's, it's a phenomenal opportunity for folks who don't necessarily know that our stores here. So people are like, right, there's that's the other thing. It like really is a way to market ourselves. And so the city of Boston, I think, does a phenomenal job of like really providing economic empowerment to folks through non-traditional means. That's great. That's fun. All right. Yeah. So I've not been to one. I've lived in Boston my whole life. Just the idea. I like pedestrian. I like Europe. It's like more European. Like you get to walk in the street. I think it makes sense. Newberry Street's crazy, crazy. All yeah. the cars and people walking anyway. So that's like a fun way to see Newberry Street. And, it, and I'm sure people don't know it's a dispensary because it looks like a jewelry store or something from the outside. You would never know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And also you asked about the time frame. So yeah. it's in the summertime. It's during the warmer okay. months. And last year, the city of Boston like allowed us to do 10 weeks. So I think we just ended in October, but we started sometime around like maybe Memorial Day or oh, fun. fun. I like Boston. It's a fun way. Okay. Before we wrap up, let's see. You've been in it for a bit. Mm. <laughs> the industry, Massachusetts is. Massachusetts, but you know, we have our own surprises. What do you think? What do you think has been your biggest surprise about what this industry really is? And yeah, just kind of go there. And then I don't know, maybe what's your big, your greatest takeaway, like where you think we're going, something hopeful, something good. Okay. I think, yeah, I mean, those are really good questions. I think my biggest surprise has been just how much of a community it is. I think everyone mm-hmm. knows everyone. And like that feels good. And I think that like as much as people are like, oh, we've got to do better than the next door. I think people are like, okay, this is what's been working here. And like people are happy to share information. And I think like that it's been really like surprising and like really, I think, just uh, beneficial uh, for I think like just all the groups as a whole. And what am I hopeful for in 2024? I'm interested in seeing like what comes of like, like the new like, any amendments or reg- like amendments to regulations that are already out there. And I'm looking to see exactly how we continue to like move with this living, breathing thing. Like this, this industry is not stagnant and it no. needs, I think adjustments need to be made throughout to really 
allow for this industry to like thrive the way I think it's meant. And, to and, I, and I think the way it works, I mean, again, it's just policy. It's new policy, which is my original interest as a lawyer was to get into the policy side, the lawyer side, because you never get to be part of something new and things are changing. I mean, the Cannabis Control Commission has its own special issues, but <laughs> they have been, they did change the, they did change the driver rule. A lot of the advocates who are very invested are staying invested, even though it's really hard. They did just set up the, I think, the Social Equity Trust. Again, Massachusetts, again, like we said, 2016, we voted as the Commonwealth, the people of Massachusetts chose this, and we've been doing it for a while. I could see, you could see it too, all the New England states around us floundering and doing whatever they're doing. You just think they would take the best from each state, but that does not seem to be what's happening. <laughs> you don't have to create the wheel, people. They do not yeah. have to. Yeah. And the, the joy and the beauty of this community, I agree with you, is that this is something that's positive. This is something that's healthy if we could do it right. This could bring wealth into communities. It's not alcohol. It's not tobacco. People sort of kind of lump it in. It's its own special thing. And it's for now, it's still local. So yeah. you do have smaller business people like you and the other people I talked to who are still able to get into this and get a foothold and create what's create what this is going to be. I think that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, we are up in time. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Root it in. Tell people once again, where are you? Best way to connect with you. If you have any, I don't know, anything's coming up this month, any events or things that you want to support, let me know. Yeah, of course. So we are located at 131 Newberry Street. We're right next to Swansea. If you are familiar with that restaurant, we're in Boston's Back Bay. We have a wonderful selection of like opportunities that take place in our store all the time. We have pop-ups from various vendors. Tonight, we have wonderful yoga class. It's a somatic yoga class taught uh, by a good friend of mine, Gabby Rebus, and her friend, Aura. I took the class last go round, and that's something that we do here. We offer like classes that are available for the community. We have like um, bong nights and bong painting nights and other like various activities. We just try to make it like fun and local, and have people have a reason other than cannabis to come to our mm-hmm. store. Maybe, maybe they'll decide that they want to try something out. But yeah, that's so hard. yeah, so we we have that going on tonight, and then of course we always. If you look at our website, it's rootedinroxbury.com. We have a calendar of events, so you can keep up with us that way. We have an Instagram. It's at rooted.in.roxbury. On Instagram, we have a LinkedIn and we have a Facebook. So all of those can be found on our website, www.rootedinroxbury.com. It'll all be in the show notes. All right. It's a great space. Again, we've been doing this in a way that's kind of unique. This isn't a bunch of dudes on their couch eating Cheetos. This is a business, but it's also a community. And I, I love the idea of having classes and places for people to come and engage. I think of that as a social consumption lounge, if we ever get social consumption lounges, especially for elderly who want to use this product, but should be engaged during the day. And moms, this is like a great, like if you had an hour or two to go somewhere, take an edible, take a class, feel great, and then go pick up your kids. That's a good mom afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Joanne. So that's it. Another show for my guests, for Joanne Keith. If you want to get into Rooted in Roxbury, check it out. Everything's in the show notes. And of course, my Canna Bro, David Jazz, and our Canna Mom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show. We're on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for listening and sharing so that together... We will crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Skerber. This is the Cannabom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, a Boston 
Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.